God, I think if this chance is to meet together tonight and to teach and to, to see what your word has for us, God, I pray tonight as we dig into your word that our, our lives are, are changed, God, because of your word and the power that comes from it, not from, from me or from these, these leaders, God, but because of you and who you are and what your word says from your spirit, God. May the lives be changed. God, because of, of our lives changed, may this world be changed. Hear my prayer. Amen. All right, so again, this is week two of our, that's what he said, series. We're not going to do the entire um, uh, five weeks. Like I so said, next week we're going to do the scavenger hunt. Uh, the last week, something, I don't know what we're going to do yet. We might do one of these. We might do something else fun. I don't know yet. Um, but that, there you go. And so this is, uh, so we've kind of looked at these verses here recently already, but I said again, you can still learn things even looking at something else again. Uh, when I was in sixth grade, uh, something happened to me that, that kind of changed my life forever. This was, huge, this was a huge change in my life that I wasn't exactly happy about it at first. Uh, but kind of looking back at it now, on this side, it, it changed everything. Uh, I kind of resisted it until my dad had to corner me. And he had to reveal to me that this change needed to happen that, so badly that, that he couldn't take it anymore. And that other people would agree with him as well. You know, seeing sixth grade is when puberty started to hit, and I started to smell pretty bad. All right, I started to stink, and I needed to wear a deodorant. Um, I wasn't excited about it. It wasn't fun. I had to, you know, just another thing I had to do in the morning before going to school. But the first time I put on the deodorant, I was kind of shocked because I smelled nice for the first time in quite a while. Um, so I was kind of walking around school. Um, with new confidence and like I was walking around in a tropical paradise uh, like my feet were in the sand like the, the deodorant I had had like a coconut smell smelled kind of like paradise like and um, it, was, it, was, it was awesome and it's, actually I have a clip a video of what it looked like in junior high after uh, this kind of transformation in my life hello ladies look at your back now back to me now back to me now back to me sadly he is but if he stopped using ladies' scented body wash and switched to Old Spice, he could smell like it. Look down at the back. Where are you? You're on a boat. A man, your man, could smell. What's your head? Back at me. I am. It's an oyster. Two tickets to that thing you love. Look again. The tickets are now done. Anything is possible when your man smells like Old Spice and not a lady. I'm on a boat. Alright, obviously that's not me, in case you guys can tell. But that's, you know, I was... There's definitely a transformation in my life. Of course, that wasn't me, but there was a change in my life when I started wearing deodorant. Um, you can ask your parents in here. Um, it's, it's for the better that you wear deodorant. Am I right, parents? Yeah. Or if you've been to youth camp and you smell to people, it's good. Deodorant's a fantastic thing. But there's a transformation that took place once I started wearing deodorant before, before I wore that deodorant. But the dictionary defines transformation as a marked change as an appearance or character usually for the better and it definitely was better that i smelled better um, everybody was happy that i wore deodorant so you see my dad saw something about me that needed to change because he knew what was best for me and he prompted me to change to transform my outward bodily funk all right so our father in heaven he knows what is best for us. He wants the best for us. And he calls us to transform 
our lives to following Him. Yet so often, so many times, we resist what God is trying to do. So what is it about change, about transformation, that most of us are so scared of? God wants to radically transform our lives in many different areas, areas of our lives that, that when that change does begin to happen, we're going to become more like Jesus and look more like Him. So what does that look like? You know, I believe that the words of Jesus here, where He tells us what we need to do to change everything. So in John 14 is where we are. I didn't have a chance to put it um, in the app this week. We were off on Monday. Today we were uh, installing some some pretty cool projectors in the uh, auditorium, so I had to learn new technology today. So I had a chance to put it in the app, but you can still follow along in the verses anyways. John 14, verse 5. Uh, it's going to be in the ESV translation. Uh, and for you lazy people, I, I don't have it up here this week. you got to look on your device. John 14, verse 5 says, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, you guys probably know this verse. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Sometimes we look at these disciples and like, you guys are idiots. And then it, I can say the same thing about me. I'm, I'm the idiot. And then he says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me... All right, I want you guys to pay attention. I'm like, I'm, okay, this is a crazy verse. Just bear with me. Here we go. Verse uh, 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do. Is that not blowing anybody's mind right now? Because Jesus is telling his homeboys... Believe what I did, but greater works than will he, you know, he do because I'm going to the Father. Does anybody believe this? Does anybody believe that we can do some crazy things because of who God is? I think a lot of times we may say we believe it, but we don't really live like we believe it. This is this is pointed at me too. Don't worry. This is this is directed at me. It says wherever you ask in verse, in verse 13, wherever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. All right, so here's a little bit of context here. I want you guys to kind of get, get what's going on. Um, my bad, I didn't go that way. So but if you read the chapter 4, chapter 13, Jesus is near the end of his earthly life. This is towards the very end. This last part of like John 13 through the rest of John is kind of like the last little bit, of, like the last night. Well, several chapters of John, like 13 through 17. It's like the last night of, of Jesus' life. He's there with his homeboys talking and teaching. In 13... He's telling his disciples that he's about to die. He's like, all right, I'm about to die. I'm about to leave. And of course, they're sad, right? Because Jesus is dying. He's leaving them. That, would anybody else be sad? Anybody? Okay. So that's, he's, he's pretty bummed. They're bummed. He washes their feet. He shows them the Son of God that I come to, to be served, but to serve. 
He predicts his death. He predicts that his disciples will deny him. And you can kind of you can kind of picture the the scene in this room where there's a little bit of tension. Anybody ever been like at a dinner table where there's a little bit of tension going on? Maybe at Thanksgiving and politics are being talked about. You know, there's a little bit of tension kind of being built. You can kind of picture this scenario where Jesus is like, all right, he's there with his guys in the upper room. And he's like, all right, I'm about to die. One of you guys is about to betray me to my death. Another one of you guys is about to deny me when he's asked if he's one of my followers. You kind of picture like, man, that better not be me, right? You can kind of picture that kind of tension going on. And so he comforts them with these words in John, in John 14. Jesus told them that they already know what to do. To follow me, that I am the way. Do what I've done. Change to be more like me and you're, and you're going to be good. So, But before we even talk about being transformed into the person that God has desired for us to be, before we look at which thoughts and actions and thinking need to be transformed in our lives, we need to be aware of some of the main things that keep us from being transformed. All right? So, change is stressful. Change is one of the most stressful things in life. Anybody agree with this? How many of you guys are just huge fans of change? Probably not very many of us. We like to be comfortable. We like to do what we've always done. How many of you guys sit in the same seat in church? How many of you guys sit in the same seat in here pretty much? Right? We're comfortable. We like, we like to be comfortable. Even when the change is desired, we, it's still stressful to change. Human nature naturally resists change. In fact, there's a saying in neuroscience that neurons that fire together, wire together. This means that the more we do something, the more it becomes not only habit, but biologically ingrained into our brain. It helps to explain why change takes so much effort and why we naturally resist change. It's all in our brain. And of course, we know that change is inevitable. We face change as we mature, as our bodies age, start to smell bad, and as we interact with the world. We also know that change in the Christian life, it's, it's desirable. In fact, it's God's plan for us. Revelation 21.5 says he makes all things new, and the old is dispensed with. So we want to become more like Christ. We should desire that change. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Inwardly we are being renewed day by day. How, many, how often is this? Like once a month? It's okay to say that loud. Day by day, it's an everyday thing that we're being changed, being renewed. How you looked yesterday with your walk with Christ, you should be a little bit closer today. And tomorrow, you should be closer than you were today. Does that make sense? That, that's just that, that, how this should work. And so when we submit to God, good change happens. So how do we come, overcome our resistance? How do we overcome that stress of having to change? When I started thinking about it, there are three main things, I think, that keep us from being transformed by God. These are are reasons why we don't truly follow the words of Jesus and saying that he is the way and the truth and the life. So instead of talking about things I want you guys to do, I want to talk about the things that keep us from following the way, the truth, and the life, from truly following Jesus. A lot of times we teach you guys about do this, do this, and do this. That's not, so tonight I want you to teach you what may keep you from following God. So here we go. Number one, ignorance. You know, the fact that maybe we don't know. Uh, we simply just don't know what we, we can become. Um, you could probably ask most of these adults in here. Um, we, if they've been around teenagers for any time, we kind of can see in teenagers kind of who the potential that you guys have. 
I, I believe you guys can change the world. I truly believe that. I, I would not be doing what I'm doing if I did not believe that you guys can change the world. And so we see potential in you guys. And you may not quite see that potential yet. Or maybe we just don't know how to let ourselves be transformed. Going back to verse 5 through 7. Um, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So maybe if you don't know, don't, don't feel bad. Thomas, who's, what's Thomas's nickname? Anybody know? Doubting Thomas. This dude followed Jesus for three years. Right? He was a disciple of Jesus. He'd walked with him daily for three years. He still didn't know. Don't feel so bad. Don't beat yourself up if you don't know everything, all right? And so the answer there, because he asked him, how do we know the way? The answer was in front of him for three years. So God, let me tell you this. God drastically wants to transform your life. And you cannot be more aware of that transformation, of how much he wants to change your life. So what I want to encourage you, those of you who have never really experienced this thing called Christianity or this, a truer walk with Christ, this amazing God and Jesus that we talk about, is, is just to explore what this means. Be open to what God can be speaking into your life the next uh, couple of weeks. God wants to pour out his wisdom into your life. And, and maybe you've not seen him move yet. Maybe you've never heard uh, that you have a loving God in heaven who adores you. And he wants a relationship with you. And that God has wonderful things planned for those who, who love him, who put their trust in him. Maybe that's, maybe, maybe you're ignorant. Or maybe, number two, maybe it's, it's fear. Maybe not. Maybe it's fear. There are a few reasons why we might be afraid of allowing God to transform our lives. We're afraid of change and, just, and change in general. Period. Not just with God, but just change. Period. Uh, we're afraid of the unknown and what's to come. And those of you guys who are getting ready to graduate, are anybody of you guys kind of timid or kind of scared of what's next? Because you don't fully know what's next, right? I mean, you're you may have an idea of what's next, but you may not have, like, you don't know exactly how it's going to work, right? It may not work. I'm praying it does. But, you know, things happen. So we don't know what's going to happen. And most of us, we like to have control of our lives, correct? Like, I do this. I know when I'm going to do this. I know where I'm going. I like to have some control of my life. And so we don't like the fact that we don't have complete knowledge or control or vision of where we are going to be or how God is going to change us. We think we need to know exactly how it's going to be done before we think, before we let God change us. But that's not how it works. God usually waits until we completely give our lives to Him before He works in us because it, it takes faith when we put our trust in God in order to show us what we're supposed to do. And we're afraid because we have tried to change before and failed. Anybody ever gone to youth camp or now? And like, God, man, I'm going to get back. I'm going to be like totally different. I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to whatever. I'm going to do all these things. And you come home, and like five minutes later, you're doing what you said you weren't going to do. Anybody besides me? Okay. Great. Yeah. That's, that's how I, I can tell you how many times I've done that. You know, we, we've, we've tried before. We failed. And so we're kind of discouraged. We tried to do this thing, but it didn't work. It was painful. It didn't seem helpful. So now you're fearful of trying it all over again. 
And we're afraid because change means we might have to give up something we know that's not good for us. You know, the thing we're doing it now is not good, uh, but we enjoy doing it. It's fulfilling for now. You're fearful that you might actually have to give up that thought, that guy, that girl, that screen. And if you're honest with yourself, you don't really want to give it up. If you're honest with yourself, you like doing those things despite God creating you for so much more. You're fearful of giving up those things that this world tells you is good, but in reality is not. So here's the wonderful thing about our God. He walks along with us as he transforms us. He does not leave us to do it alone because we simply can't do it by ourselves. Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. But having that fear kind of puts us in a defense mode. Fear sometimes paralyzes us from moving. Fear allows us to preserve what we have and what we think works in our lives, but truly doesn't. Preserving is protecting what we have. Progressing in our life is risky. We need to move past that fear because we know that whatever change God wants for us is something better than what we want for our own lives. What God has in mind for us is just better. Because God is better. And there's no reason to fear if we didn't understand why he is calling us to transform the way we think and the way we act. Because his way is better. If you truly trust Jesus, you will believe what he has to say about fear. He says that we don't have to, we don't have, to have it because he will be with us. There's nothing to fear because Jesus looked at fear in the face and then he punched it in the throat. And it's fantastic. The third thing you see there is apathy. Apathy is defined as a lack of feeling or emotion. Anytime I teach in here or preach in big church, you see a lot of faces that just kind of... We're playing in praise team. Anybody that plays praise team can look out during the service and you see a lot of that kind of face. It's impassiveness, a lack of interest or concern or indifference. It is a feeling of, I'm okay where I am right now. I'm good. You could be in the bottom of a pit, but you just don't care to get out of it. You could be failing all of your classes. Who cares? You can be spiritually dead, and you're like, whatever. Or you feel like you're in a good place, and you don't want to get any better. You feel like where you're at is good, and you don't mind staying there. So here's what I've learned in my own life when it comes to being transformed by God. I'm either constantly moving towards Him day by day, or I'm constantly moving away from him. Those are your two options. There is really no middle ground. Even when we are experiencing apathy and we don't care about moving forward in a walk with God, that's really moving backwards because you just don't care. In Revelation 3, 15 and 16, this is what the Bible says about apathy. I know your works are neither hot or cold or hot. Would, that you, you know, would you wish that... Man, it's all messed up. Would the, that you were either hot or cold. So because you're lukewarm, which is... Right in the middle. Neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. In the Greek, the word spit there, it means to vomit. That's, this is God talking to a church uh, in Laodicea. And it's saying, because you're neither on fire for me, or you're not, 
away from me, but you're kind of just playing that middle ground. I would throw you up out of my mouth. I am disgusted by you. I don't want God to look at me and say, um, I'd rather spit you out of my mouth. Anybody, anybody with me on that? I'd rather not have God say that about me. Like, I'm disgusted with you in a way that I'm going to vomit. That doesn't really make me happy. So, you know, think about it this way. It's, it's a hot summer day. You're running, out running around. You're super sweaty. Sunday and Monday is supposed to be 109 degrees here. That's toasty. 109. And so you're so parched with thirst, and all you want is some water. So you go over the fridge, take a huge sip of cold water, but the fridge is broken. In the middle of your heat stroke, you just took a huge swig of what's like lukewarm water on the hottest day of the year. When an ice cold water would make it so much better. I don't mind lukewarm water. It's usually what I drink. But if it's, I'm super hot, give, give me... Give me some ice cold water. That's kind of what apathetic faith is. It's we're right in the middle. We're lukewarm. When something is cold, there's energy. It's refreshing. When something is hot, there's energy, and it's refreshing. Everyone really likes lukewarm. Anybody drink coffee in here? Anybody just care for lukewarm coffee? Yeah, I don't see anybody's hand up. Nobody wants lukewarm coffee. They want hot coffee or cold coffee. But nobody just wants to leave it out for a couple hours and go back to it. Because that's disgusting. I don't drink coffee, but I even I know that's disgusting. Having apathy in our faith is not caring if relationship with God grows or not. And this mindset will keep you from being transformed into the person God has designed for you to become because of your unwillingness to be open to God. John 14, 6 again. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So in these words... Jesus was declaring himself the great I am, the only path to heaven, the only path. Not all, not all paths lead to heaven. All, this, this is it. This is me, Jesus. This is it. This is the only way to God. This world may tell you other things. Other people may tell you other things, but this is it. No one comes to the Father except through me. He was taking his claim at the very God of, as the very God of creation. The Lord who blessed Abraham and the Holy One who inhabits all of eternity. I can't begin to wrap, wrap my head around that. It's pretty amazing. He did this so his disciples would be able to face the dark days that they were about to happen, about to, to see, and to carry on the mission of declaring the gospel to the end of the world. Of course, we know from Scripture that they still didn't quite understand, and it took several visits from the risen Savior to shake them of their disbelief. And we look back and we're like, man, these guys are just dumb. I probably did the exact same thing. Once they understood the truth of his words, they became changed people. And their world has never been the same. So here are a couple final thoughts before we, we dig into uh, our small groups. What do you need to change? What way are you following? And what's something in your life that you're, you're following that is, that is not of God? Is it friends, popularity, pornography, relationships, family, sports, what is it that you're following? You know, everyone wants to transform something in his or her life. But not everyone is willing to invest in that transformation process. I wouldn't mind looking a little bit more like the Old Spice guy. I have a dad bod going on. And I wouldn't mind looking maybe a little bit more like him. But, quite, but so far, I haven't quite made an investment into looking like that. You know, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes dedication. I haven't quite made that investment, right? 
And so we, we all want to change and transform something, but we're not all willing to make that investment. It takes work, and being apathetic is the opposite of work. Being lazy, you know, not caring, having lukewarm faith. You're either moving towards Christ every day or you're moving away from Christ every day. There's no middle ground. And growth requires change. So when change occurs in our lives, just consider it to be a season of growth. When our, our human nature protests the change because we don't like change, and we beg to resist the change, remember that God has not changed. God is always the same. And He is up to something good. The last thing is willingness is key. Will you be willing to let God change and transform you this next school year? School starts like in a month, maybe, who knows. Um, will you be willing to let God change and transform you this next school year? So when we come back next July, kind of sitting in the same kind of thing, are you going to be markedly different in your walk with Christ than you were today? Be willing to give God a chance. Be willing to hear from God and be willing to say yes to Him. God, thank you for this chance again to teach, to, to teach truth, teach that you are the way, God. It's either growing closer to you every day or growing farther from you every day, God. There is no middle. May we choose every day to get one step closer to you. I pray for the next little bit of time in our small groups that these adults and kids are encouraged and challenged to grow and, and just to pursue you and become more like you. In your name I pray. Amen.